Here's a few exciting scenes from tonight's episode of The Tom Gully Show. The trickster remains one of the very few academic studies of chlorophobia, or the irrational fear of clowns. And the trickster has been used as the chief source of information on the subject by nearly every news outlet and website on the planet. He's here to talk to us about clown fear. Welcome to the program, Mr. Joe Derwin. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I had two horror movie actresses on the show, and I asked them both, what scares you? And both of them said, clowns. <laughs> My immediate reaction was, I am completely bereft of any fear of clowns to the point where I just don't understand it. I've offered, of course, to beat up any clowns that are bothering people because I have no fear of them. It seemed to have gotten weirder and weirder um, with each incarnation mm -hmm. um, to the point where um, actually Emmett Kelly the third. Um, who's uh who's also his legal name was paul anthony kelly um but he he became um widely known in the late 70s um for uh, a multiple homicide case in california um which he allegedly um murdered his victims uh as as the weary willie character and actually blamed the killings on um on his clown persona as opposed to himself now, the, you mentioned Pennywise, and the people that I talked to, um, of the Pennywise, of course, the, the clown from Stephen King's It, the people that I talked to, that's the one they directly go to, immediately, without hesitation. Uh, but there have been others that are, are quite prominent, um, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, the, I mean, the, the 80s in general was just this huge um, spike in... in uh, clown appearances in in um non-traditional contexts as villains um there was the movie clown house um and killer clowns from outer space it's one of my personal favorites um but yeah definitely stephen king's it um really was a a certain kind of pinnacle um because that was uh was one of stephen king's probably strongest novels and then the um the TV miniseries that spun out of it. Tim Curry really kind of nailed that. Um, you know, I always argue that Tim Curry had already kind of done an evil clown routine if you watch Rocky Horror <laughs> right, uh, right. closely enough. And I would say probably in the last year or two, it's become this thing that has started, you know, clown organizations and, and clown conventions and, and groups of clowns are really starting to take this a little bit seriously. Um, and they're to the point where there's now, um, you know, most clown conventions I've noticed over the last couple of years will have a seminar on how not to be scary, essentially, <laughs> and, and <laughs> ways that they can tune down the, um, the, the part of it that seems to scare people because it's something that, uh, at first they, you know, they kind of just tried to shrug it off and dismiss it as much as possible and just say that's, you know, it's just the result of, you know, a, a few, bad apples and some horror movies that have given clowns a bad name. Um, you, you have a couple of other great examples in your paper of, of actual things that really happened. Like, um, can you talk a little bit about the Pennywise gang? Yeah, the Pennywise, that's sort of my nickname for, um, the, uh, what's been called, uh, the, the phantom clown phenomenon. Um, which is something that uh, actually um, the anthropologist uh, Loren Coleman first noticed was happening, and and he published uh, 
uh, a chapter about it in one of his books in the mid 1980s. But um, that was something that came uh, he came across uh, all these different um, reports that were uh, from cities uh, wide apart all over the country um, that didn't seem to be aware that it was happening in other cities. But it was um, beginning in Boston in 1981. Um, there was this sort of series of examples of, I guess you could call it mass hysteria. Um, Not in Boston, where they had the Cartoon Network flashing light shut the city down for terrorism. Yeah, thank you. And then uh, keep keep me posted on other guests on the show that are afraid of clowns. I'd, I'd love to hear from them. Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. <laughs> It's time, America. Mr. and Mrs. North of South America, all the ships at sea, let's go to press. So sit back, buckle in, place your tray table in its upright locked position, and get ready for big time radio, friends. It's time for... Thursday, February 16th, 2015, episode 238. I'm Tom Gully, and tonight on The Tom Gully Show, Joe Derwin isn't just an expert on the fear of clowns. Oh, no, 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 no. He is the leading expert on the fear of clowns. An accomplished writer, speaker, and journalist, Joe's writings on the subject have been the basis of countless programs and used by dozens of television networks. Tonight, Joe will lead us through the history, the lore, the urban myth, and the psychology that is the recent phenomenon known as fear of clowns or coulrophobia. As you know, I have a standing offer to beat up any clown bothering any of you, because when it comes to clowns, I have no fear. But that doesn't mean I don't care about those of you who do fear clowns, because... Uh, this thing is kind of an epidemic. Don't let red honking noses, orange hair, or gigantic shoes scare you ever again. Get a handle on your fear of clowns as we speak to the expert, Joe Derwin, tonight on The Tom Gully Show. You'll find our snack bar chock full of good things to eat and drink. Tasty, tempting hot dogs, thirst-quenching soft drinks, fresh, crunchy popcorn. You've plenty of time, so visit the snack bar now. Down goes Frazier! Down goes Frazier! Down goes Frazier! You're listening to The Tom Gully Show. 
Joe Derwin is an internationally recognized journalist, lecturer, and author. He writes on a variety of very interesting topics, and he's appeared on PBS, History Canada, VH1. He's also in a very, very good documentary called Killer Stories, which you can watch right now on Hulu. His work, The Trickster, remains one of the very few academic studies of chlorophobia, or the irrational fear of clowns. And The Trickster has been used as the chief source of information on the subject by nearly every news outlet and website on the planet. He's here to talk to us about clown fear. Welcome to the program, Mr. Joe Derwin. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. I should probably tell you how we started talking about clown fear on the show and it comes up every three or four shows now i had two horror movie actresses on the show and i asked them both what scares you and both of them said clowns <laughs> my immediate reaction was i am completely bereft of any fear of clowns to the point where i just don't understand it i've offered of course to beat up any clowns that are bothering people because i have no fear of them but I am so interested in this fear. I'm not making light of it. I, I, I think it's a real thing. I, am, I encounter it more and more each day. How did you, the expert on the subject, get the idea to look in to fear of clowns? Well, I guess you could say I'm sort of what you call a chlorophile. I, um, I, I'm also not afraid of clowns, but I actually... Um, I've always kind of been fascinated by clowns and... Um, circusy type uh entertainment and just the whole the color and the over the top nature of it and everything so um actually back in college i got uh, more and more interested in because um i was also finding that it was something that was coming up uh increasingly often and there was t-shirts starting to come out and more and more horror movies uh where you know clowns were getting up to uh, no good. And it was just, uh, it was really interesting to me why that was. And, and I just sort of followed that down the rabbit hole. Now you describe an archetype in your, your paper called the trickster. Now, can you describe what that is? Cause I thought that was just a, a, a wonderful way to kind of set the stage for the way people think of a clown or a, a jester. Yeah, I think uh, the trickster is something that you find worldwide throughout a lot of different cultures, um, and it's it's um, one of uh, the one of the key archetypes of um, qualities, and it, it seems to to have a lot of the same um, attributes um, from one culture to the next. You find it amongst the Greeks and um, in Native American cultures, African cultures, pretty much all over the world. There there's some sort of trickster figure, whether it's Loki or Coyote or Hermes. Um, and, and they have sort of these, uh, these similar characteristics. Um, the most, uh, obvious one being, um, sort of a, a practice of deception or, or deceit, um, being one of, one of the most integral aspects. Um, and, and some sort of, um, sense of breaking of taboos and, um, being sort of disruptive and destabilizing to society um, are, are sort of the, some of the key um, attributes. But there's there's some more subtle um, aspects to those two that I that I found to be um, sort of an, it, it really informs the the role of the clown in different cultures. Oh yeah, like like for instance, what's a different role in a different culture than say we're familiar with here in the United States? 
you know, in most cultures, clowns, um, you know, especially in Aboriginal cultures and, and tribal societies, uh, and, and whether it's uh, Native Americans or um, other other continents, um, clowns are um, almost sort of religious figures. They're they're sort of um, a, a form of shaman and um they they're a little bit more than entertainment they they have more of a social role um where they are allowed to kind of break taboos and um kind of uh make fun of the sacred and do things that that ordinary people even even um priests and other shamans aren't really allowed to do and that aren't aren't okay by normal standards are they given this permission because they're seen as, uh, you know, sort of dedicated to being a clown or that, that that part of their behavior kind of gives them license because they're either not all there or they're seen as the person in society that's supposed to poke holes in things? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they, they're kind of, um, they're, they're sort of the, the aspect of the fool and uh, the, the sort of marginalized character in society in, in many ways. Um, but that gives them a certain amount of freedom um, because they're they're not fully taken seriously, um, but they they get these um, abilities to kind of uh, go beyond the, the the roles and the norms of of whatever society they're in and and get up to things that um, if normal people did them would be um, you know pretty pretty horrifying in some cases. Um, and, and some of the, uh, especially some of the native American cultures where you find, um, ritual clowns, um, they do things that, that, uh, would be considered pretty shocking. Um, I think, uh, in most cultures, um, but they, they have this sort of license, um, because it, it's felt that there, there needs to be some outlet, I think of, of certain things and, and some discussion of taboos in, um, kind of a, a roundabout way that's not directly confronting them, right. but it's sort of dealing with them nonetheless. Gotcha. Now, why do you think there is so much clown fear right now? You know, there's, it, you mentioned it's in lots of movies. You see it in the media. It's, it's part of that circus macabre thing. I think that you were talking about a little earlier, but I don't remember clown fear until about the last 20 years or so. I didn't, I believe I just didn't notice it before then. Why do you think it's so prevalent at the moment? Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think it's definitely um, something that has been on the rise for the last couple of decades. Um, it may be something that there, there were always some cases of, and I have talked to people who were um, older people who have described always being afraid of clowns since, since they were young children. And I think there's, you know, from, psychology literature, it seems that there is a stage in childhood development where people are sort of naturally um, prone to be afraid of clowns um, that that has to do with um, more the, the fact that their identity is sort of um, vague and, and their, their face is concealed and things like that. So I think that's one component, that there's a sort of natural... Um, aesthetic kind of hardwired aspect. Um, but I think that's sort of, that's sort of one of, I think there's really three main categories of reasons why, um, you see this fear of clowns and this rise in, in, uh, evil clown motifs and, and the aesthetic appearance is one of them. 
um, but also definitely the, the history of clowning and the way that um, it's intersected with media over the last couple of decades, media and pop culture, horror movies, things like that. Um, and then also something about the what the underlying significance of the the role of the clown and the jester and and maybe what that means to us in in the 21st century um, that is sort of changing from what it may have meant in previous eras. Right. I mean, when I grew up, the clown was the most innocent and playful sort of symbol that you could possibly have. Uh, Emmett Kelly was huge at our house. My grandmother was a huge Emmett Kelly fan. And I had a question written down here for you that, that was, why has our view of the clown gone from that Emmett Kelly super innocentness to what it is now uh, until I read your paper and, and read that the Kelly family, um, not quite as innocent perhaps as, as they could have been throughout the ages. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting that you mentioned Emma Kelly because that's, that's um, I think I, I grew up with a, a painting of uh, Emma Kelly's Weary Willie um, character uh, above my bed from a, a young age. Um, and I, I sometimes wonder how much that uh, that helped me get interested in this subject because yeah like you said the you know um the Kelly family is an interesting example of of what happens when you pull back uh the the curtain a little bit on clowns and um some of the some of the less savory history um associated with them because that's um they they definitely had an interesting relationship to that Weary Willie character, um, and it was passed down um, through multiple generations of the family, and it it seemed to have gotten weirder and weirder um, with each incarnation, mm-hmm. um, to the point where um, actually Emmett Kelly the third, um, who's uh, who's also his legal name was Paul Anthony Kelly, um, but he he became. Um, widely known in the late 70s um, for uh, a multiple homicide case in California, um, which he allegedly um, murdered his victims uh, as as the Weary Willie character and actually blamed the killings on, um, on his clown persona as opposed to himself, um, which was, interestingly, it was right around the same time that uh, John Wayne Gacy was exposed as um as a serial killer in chicago um and he also turned out to be uh, not a professional clown but in his spare time uh, was did a lot of active clowning well and clowning when i was young uh was very prevalent in mass media um red skelton did a clown jackie gleason did a clown i mean these were major portions of their entertainment persona and you you hardly see that on television anymore. But the 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 quote unquote killer clown is right there with us all the time. How back does clown fear go? And does that relate to how people perceived clowns in the past as opposed to right now? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think th- there's definitely examples of evil clown characters going back uh, a good couple of centuries. Um, whether it's uh, sort of one of the most identifiable being the the Joker and Batman comics that goes back to uh, the early '40s, at least I believe, or maybe the late thir- '30s. Um, but there's uh, there's the Pagliacci uh, opera, and you know there's other um, characters. There's uh, a Charles Dickens book which uh, details the life of a kind of a 
uh, less than savory clown. And it, it's tied in a little bit, I think, with the idea of um, what may lie behind the, the, the jokes and the comedy of, of any comedian, um, that there's sort of this fundamental uh, sad clown uh, so-called quality um, where there, there may be the comedy is sort of a surface um, hiding of, of darker um, issues and depression and alcoholism and things like that um, that might be lingering kind of under the surface. So I think there's always been some some sense of that on the on the fringes of what clowns are. Um, but I think it's definitely something that, you know, as the late 20th century and early 21st century, we've kind of taken a closer look at a lot of aspects of our culture um, and and really delved into it in this kind of postmodern way um, where where we're less apt to look at things just on what they seem to be at the surface. And we're always kind of looking for this sense of hidden meanings and associations. Um, I think that's definitely, that's played into it. And it's, it's intersected historically with kind of some of these real life cases um, like, uh, like Emmett Kelly, the third and John Wayne Gacy and um, a lot of odd um, urban legends that have kind of cropped up around um, clowns and vans uh, being a, a po very popular one that I think um, it, it's interesting because a lot of people blame um, Stephen King or the the Poltergeist movie or some of the, the earliest horror movie depictions. But those all kind of came out of um, something that was already building in, in real life uh, crime cases and, and police forces all over the country dealing with reports of clowns trying to abduct children and things like that um well and it's interesting to me uh just from the standpoint of if you're looking at a way to make a movie or what we've done with movies at least in that time period there used to be things that were sort of sacrosanct and now it seems like they go for directly the most innocent image they can find and make it evil and a clown oh man that's the that's the perfect playground for something like that yeah yeah it's really this intersection of um it it hits it, it strikes a chord I think especially um, probably especially parents and and people who have children because it's uh, and with children themselves because uh, clowns are associated with in entertaining children um, but at the same time there's a there's a possibility of distrust because you can't quite see their face um, so you know I think it, it hits that nerve of you know, if there if there's something going on that we can't see behind the behind the makeup or behind the mask. Now, the you mentioned Pennywise and the people that I talked to um, of the Pennywise, of course, the the clown from Stephen King's It. The people that I talked to, that's the one they directly go to immediately, without hesitation. Uh, but there have been others that are are quite prominent, um, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, the I mean, the the '80s in general was just this huge um, spike in in uh, clown appearances in in um, non traditional contexts as villains. Um, there was the movie Clown House um, and Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It's one of my personal favorites. Um, but yeah, definitely Stephen King's It um, really was a, a, a certain kind of pinnacle. Um, because that was uh, was one of Stephen King's probably strongest novels, and then the um, the, the 
TV miniseries that spun out of it. Tim Curry really kind of nailed that. Um, you know, I always argue that Tim Curry had already kind of done an evil clown routine if you watch Rocky Horror <laughs> right, uh, right. closely enough. Um, but so he he had some chops at that, clearly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that all kind of, um, I think that all kind of arose out of uh, a sense that clowns were already um, turning sinister and, and just kind of at the fringes of society and these isolated media reports and things like that, that it was, it was ripe for the territory. It was ripe for the picking and, and the, the timing was, was just kind of right to focus in on that. Do you have a, a sense for how many people at you say out of 10 uh, experience fear of clowns or, you know, is it just kind of a, a, a sense you get? Because I get a sense that one out of every two people has clown fear. I mean, it's a lot of people. It's definitely growing. I, I have a hard time sometimes identifying or separating out um, people who are really phobic of clowns um, in the traditional sense and people who just kind of um, there, there, I mean, there's been some fashionability of it uh, as well and, and sort of um, just, you know, a, as it's gotten more and more attention, um, you know, I, I wonder how much is the, the innate phobia uh, and how much is, is media and culturally influenced and, and kind of going along with because there have been so many depictions now of scary clowns whether it's, you know, the, the innate properties of clowns or it's just that they've seen so many examples of scary clowns and they've, they've been done uh, in a way that, that does, certainly does make them scary. Um, right. I mean, it's so like you, yeah. not really, they don't really have a true phobia, but it's just easy to say, oh, clowns are creepy. Yeah, and with the way the the horror genre goes, and kind of you know the, these waves and and the way it ebbs and flows. I mean, if you if you look back far enough, vampires were once these really terrifying kind of entities, um, and now vampires and increasingly even in werewolves and things like that are are kind of sexy and mm-hmm. and um, you know uh, sort of heartthrob characters. <laughs> so you know it, it's a it's a pendulum that kind of swings back and forth. Um, as far as the horror genre goes and right now clowns are kind of outdoing vampires and werewolves because vampires and werewolves have become kind of 90210 for us well and i'm not going to get on i could do four shows on this topic vampires do not play softball in the daylight (laughs) not even under very overcast skies in seattle i had a long discussion with this about somebody on this show and said well if you're gonna get rid of all the vampire stuff then they're not vampires anymore but i find clown fear you you stated it so well in your paper that the the movie it did for clown fear what Polter, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Jaws did for going into the water and um, Psycho did for going into the, the shower. And the thing that I find interesting about this is the media aspect of it because vertigo we all get, N- not just the movie, but the idea that falling a great distance is, even if you're not scared of heights, quote unquote, you don't want to fall out of a plane. Uh, this is something that you had to sort of learn to have the fear of, right? I think so. In a lot of cases, at least, I think it's it's definitely a phobia that stands out compared to other ones that are are sort of natural evolved 
reflexes to things that could inherently be dangerous, things that, you know, like a fear of snakes or something like that. Um, th- those are kind of naturally threatening things that it, it only takes a little bit of extra push to make it a more debilitating fear. Um, with clowns, it's it's definitely a more subtle mixture of things that, that are at play there. Um, I mean, I think that there could be some, some sort of hardwired biological things. And I've, I've um, over the years, I've talked to a lot of um, people that have worked in, in circus contexts. And they, interestingly, they say that um, you, you can't have clowns around uh, chimpanzees, for instance, that chimpanzees and primates and things that are in um, circus acts because, um, well, to quote one guy, they'll kill them. Um, they, there's something about the face paint, um, probably the, the exaggerated red mouth and the exaggerated smile that, um, is, is an instinctive threat to lower primate species. It's something that just, (coughs) excuse me, keys off, um, something very threatening and something like, you know, must kill. Um, so there, there may be some, you know, some really biological element of it um, that that we haven't explored that well. I think um, because it's really it's something that, for all its prevalence, it, it hasn't gotten a lot of due in the in the psychological community, and there hasn't been a lot of serious research. Um, there's been a couple of studies, uh, early childhood development studies, and things like that, but it's uh, it, it, for the for the amount that it's widespread in this day and age, it really. It hasn't been that closely examined, so I think we're we're still missing some of the pieces of the puzzle. But um, I, I think there is an element that that is, um, you know, maybe something very old and evolutionary, um, which has then been turned way up and and triggered by um, this kind of odd, maybe partially accidental intersection of of real crimes and uh, horror movies and pop culture. Well, the, uh, the fact that the features also are, are frozen, you know, in other words, that expression does not change uh, maybe to the, in the mind of a primate. And I'll be glad to tell my friends that are afraid of clowns that lower primates also are as I try to scoreboard them. <laughs> but um, this uh, idea that, that there is a, a fear of clowns actually identified. How often do people share their clown fear with you once they find out that you're an expert? Uh, pretty, pretty commonly. I'm always, you know, as soon as somebody mentions that they're afraid of clowns, kind of my ears perk up and, um, I've been known to try to get, um, at people to fill out surveys, um, and things to see, you know, what, what sort of generalizations can be made about, personality types and other fears that they may have. And, um, if there are, um, you know, uh, components, uh, you know, I think there, there's been an interesting, um, twist over the last few years that myself and one or two other researchers have noticed that there, there may be a, a sort of, um, ethnic division on this, that there, there may be something, um, about clowns that has a, a sort of, um, different connotation depending on uh, what culture of person you're talking to and what what um, ethnic, ethnic descent that they're of. Because um, I think there are also, there, there's a strong argument that's started to be made over the last few years that there are elements of clowning and clowning's history that kind of overlap with um, 
a lot of uh, racial and white supremacist history. Um, and even some of, if you look at some of the earliest um, de- uh, examples of costumes worn by the Ku Klux Klan and things like that, um, it wasn't always just the straight white hood. Um, there were individualized sort of masks that were made. Um, and some of them are very reminiscent of um, the, the look and the aesthetic of a, a modern clown. So um, I find that part of it interesting, too, um, that there is that kind of twist have you uh, identified any associations between other phobias uh and fear of clowns in other words if you know uh, someone is um has, fearful of cats let's say which is another one of the fears i don't understand and then they're also i mean have you have you noticed any associations between other phobias the only one that I would solidly want to, to sort of commit to, um, because I, I think my, my, my own survey research has not been un, uh, sufficient enough or extensive enough um, or controlled enough, I think. But the, the one that has really stood out is that um, people who are um, interested in or, or afraid of uh, alien abduction um, are also very afraid of clowns there's a definite overlap there um that uh i would say possibly even a majority or more than half of people um and i have had the opportunity actually to to do a little bit of controlled surveying of um ufo abductee support groups and settings like that and the fear of clowns runs very high in in those um those pockets of the population Wow. Now, have you spent time with clowns? Have you, you know, gone out to a circus and spent a day or just talked to various clowns? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what, what's the clown viewpoint on this whole thing? They, um, you know, it's really, it started to change really, I would say, in the last year or two. It's something that um, for as long as I've been studying this, which is probably 10 or 11 years now, um, the the reaction amongst clowns was pretty um, kind of one, a uh, hurt, you know, sort of just just really hurt and saddened by it, um, and also a little bit defensive and dismissive uh, of the whole subject. Um, and I would say probably in the last year or two, it's become this thing that has started you know, clown organizations and, and clown conventions and, and groups of clowns are really starting to take this a little bit seriously. Um, and they're to the point where there's now, um, you know, most clown conventions I've noticed over the last couple of years will have a seminar on how not to be scary, essentially, and, and <laughs> ways that they can tune down the, um, the, the part of it that seems to scare people because it's something that, uh, at first, they you know they kind of just tried to shrug it off and dismiss it as much as possible, and just say that's you know it's just the result of you know a few bad apples and some horror movies that have given clowns a bad name. Um, to now, it's something that they're they're seriously looking at, and some clowns have actually changed their their look and their appearance and and are doing less with the white face makeup and the exaggerated mouths and things like that um to be uh more sensitive to to the fact that this seems to be more and more prevalent well and i think it's important to point out that 
A good clown is a master craftsman. I mean, uh, you know, clowning is a is a real craft that some of these people devote, you know, decades and decades of their life to. And and I don't know about you, but when I see a good clown, I I can recognize it as opposed to just hey, there's a clown here. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely um, a, a tiered um, sense that there 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 are clowns. There's certainly some clowns that I've seen that are consummate artists and and really have a command of, like you said, a craft of of the whole thing. And I think that that that's going to become more and more prevalent. Um, there, there's been some articles and and some concern from some of the major clown unions. There, there's two major clown uh, organizations that their membership has really started to um, shrink over the last 10 years. Um, and, you know, they, they've lost big numbers. But I think clowning as an art form, um, I, I think it's less that there, it's not so much that there are less clowns um, as that the kind of clowning that's becoming more popular is more theatrical and more avant-garde and more of the art clown um, as opposed to the the circus clown or the birthday clown that that does you know balloon animals and things like that i think it's becoming more something that you're you're apt to see in fringe festivals and and um you know outsider theater and stuff like that um so i i think you know some of the concerns that the clowning as an art form is dying off are mistaken um i think it's just that the the traditional clown unions are losing members because people aren't going into the the birthday clown and circus clown i mean circuses themselves are are shrinking and and receding um in modern culture themselves but um i i still see a lot of clowns in art festivals and in in theater and i think the role there is expanding and growing, um, whereas the the traditional clown that, that we've had um, the past few decades is is less and less popular. People are just not looking to hire clowns for birthday parties and things that, that as much anymore. Right, and uh, sent a lot of these people into uh, Congress. Kidding. Yeah. Um, you know, is there a culture of people that study this? Is there, I mean, do you have a, a group of peers and people that, that follow this and that, uh, study it alongside you or independently? Um, there's a few, um, I, we're, we're a small group. I think, um, there, there's a few scholars that I know who've done some tremendous work on the subject, um, especially the, the subject of, um, so-called phantom clowns and and the the folkloric and urban legend aspects of it um and there's some people who've done some really good work um actually um one of my colleagues uh that i i would mention off the top of my head uh, robert schneck um just put out uh, a new book which has a a really good chapter on um the origin of the the urban legend of clowns and vans um, abducting children um which I, I would definitely suggest uh, people check out. Um, th- so there's there's definitely been some some researchers who've looked at um, some of those that, those parts, the how it pertains to folklore and, and urban legends and things like that. Um, and I've been in contact with most of them over the years um, to varying degrees. But there's not a you know I would I wouldn't say there's a there's a culture of it. Um, it I think the most of the culture of it is sort of casual and you know um 
you're more apt to find a lot of members to a I hate clowns Facebook group or something like that. Um, <laughs> but the the people who are seriously looking at it sort of um, academically, there's probably only, you know, maybe half a dozen to 10 people who've, who've done really significant work in, in it over the last decade or two. That's amazing given how prevalent it is. Yeah, I think that's one of the interesting things about it. And it's sort of, it, it's over time, it's making more and more sense to me um, because I think it's it, the very nature of clowns um, and the, the trickster sort of repels establishment academic thought. Um, I think it's um, when you look at the uh, archetype of the trickster and you look at what clowns represent, um, there is something marginal and anti-structural and um these sort of attributes that tend to repel um established organizations and and the sort of um mainstream academia i think doesn't really want to touch this despite how huge it's become in popular culture you know to the point where you know, evil clowns uh, are appearing in horror movies at a greater frequency than werewolves at this point. And, you know, they're showing up in pizza commercials and things like that. I mean, it's it's really it's really kind of everywhere. But um, academia has really not wanted to touch this. Well, and can you imagine some guy that's a Ph.D. at John Hopkins in psychology going to his you know, department chair and saying, I believe my next paper will be on the fear of clowns. I mean, you're right. There is something inherently. Are you kidding me about that? Yeah, I, I can absolutely relate to that. Cause I think when I, I published my first paper on the subject, uh, back in 2004, uh, my academic advisor was like, are you sure this is, <laughs> you want to go with it next? Um, cause I was doing a uh, work that was very different from that at the time. And and, you know, it just it seems clownish. And we even use where, you know, we even use the word clown, um, you know, most commonly in, in the vernacular to kind of marginalize things and, and suggest that, you know, someone is absurd or foolish. Um, so, you know, anything having to do with it is sort of very much on the fringes of society. And, and that that shows, I think, in the, the lack of research that's been done. Well, you mentioned killer clowns from outer space were, you know, was your one of your favorite clown movies. Uh, also, a really good band. Uh, yeah. Why do you think? Why do you think that's your favorite clown movie? Evil clown movie. You know, I think they they have popcorn guns, and I just I love that. You know, there's just something there's something unapologetically ridiculous about that movie, and the way it never really attempts to explain you know why they're the aliens are clowns and you know it just really it, it's so garish and over the top and and you know just i keep coming back to the popcorn guns i mean that's just so you know i feel like there's something about that movie that that hasn't been seen since you know the days of ed wood uh-huh. <laughs> so. It's kind of like gremlins with clowns, you know? I mean, it's just like they're all doing different weird things. I, I, I myself love that movie. You you have a couple of other great examples in your paper of, of actual things that really happened. Like, um, can you talk a little bit about the Pennywise gang? Yeah, the Pennywise, that's sort of my nickname for um, the uh, what's been called uh, the, the phantom clown phenomenon. Um, 
which is something that uh, actually um, the anthropologist uh, Loren Coleman first noticed was happening, and and he published uh, a chapter about it in one of his books in the mid 1980s. But um, that was something that came uh, he came across uh, all these different um, reports that were uh, from cities. Uh, wide apart all over the country um, that didn't seem to be aware that it was happening in other cities, but it was um, beginning in Boston in 1981. um, There was this sort of series of examples of, I guess you could call it mass hysteria. um, Not in Boston where they had the cartoon network flashing light, shut the city (laughs) down for terrorism. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, it, 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 uh, it, it seemed, it seems to have started the, the modern wave of it seems to have started. Um, well, it depends who you ask. Um, there, there's cases before, um, the, the one in Boston in 81, but that really seemed to have kicked it off on a, on a wider level because in the space of about two months, um, all over the country from Boston to Providence, Kansas city, Colorado, Pittsburgh, all these metropolitan areas had this strikingly similar situation where very suddenly local police departments were getting inundated with calls from all over the city that um, their child had seen a clown or multiple clowns in a van who were harassing them or trying to attack or abduct them or get them in the van. Um, And in every case, you know, the police departments would take it very seriously at first because they were hearing these reports from all over the city and they would dispatch cruisers and they'd look all over. And then within a few days, um, you know, as it started to hit the media, um, it would it would die down and it would be declared, you know, a hoax or mass hysteria or just, you know, a pernicious rumor that was spreading around. Um, and then it would sort of go away for that city. Um, but, um, but it would keep coming back in different places. And it, 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 unlike a lot of urban legends, it didn't seem to spread in the usual fashion. It sort of seemed to just come out of nowhere. Um, and it was something that almost always the reports would come from very young children, almost always under children under 10 would claim to have firsthand sightings and, Few, if any, adults would actually um, acknowledge having seen one of the the clowns in question. Um, But it got very big in uh, Chicago um, in 1991, um, and it kind of took a turn. Uh, People started calling it Homie the Clown after the uh, the, the character, uh, the Wayans uh, character. Um, But... The, the more I looked into that, um, it's, it's something that really has this widespread um, kind of uh, persistence because it's happened in Australia, it's happened in South America, it's happened in Europe, it's happened. Um, so there's, you know, probably for about three months in 1992, um, people were reporting uh clowns in blue transit vans all over uh, Scotland um, and it keeps coming back it's as recently as the last couple of years there have been these cases where um, a whole lot of people will report seeing a, a clown getting up to no good or bothering children um, usually not always um, in a van um, and 
in in every case, no one's ever really able to find an actual flesh and blood perpetrator. Um, so eventually, you know, police dismiss it and, and go on, um, and it, it starts to go away. But it's something that, um, you know, it spreads really fast as a rumor for something that, um, you know, is usually amongst young, young children who aren't um, as much, uh, you know, especially going back in the eighties, you know, there was no internet and there was no, you know, uh, you know, elementary and middle school kids didn't have smartphones back then and things like, you know, they do right. now, but you know, it would spread from one elementary school to another elementary school, you know, across the city within the same day. And it sort of stymies the usual interpretations of how urban legends are transmitted, you know, from person to person. Um, because there's just no time for that sort of friend of a friend story to grow. It just would be this flash in the pan, rapid mass hysteria that would sweep through a whole metropolitan area and then die down. By Usually by the time the, the mainstream media gets a hold of it, it's already sort of dying down. So it's, you know, instead of something that's spread by wider news transmission, it's actually sort of that 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 news attention actually sort of kills it off. Well, and it's interesting. Uh, I thought the Killer Stories documentary did a, a good job of of demonstrating that, unlike a lot of other urban legends that may have some germ of uh, of a beginning of a story that gets twisted or misreported or any number of other things. This one doesn't have any of that, but people just sort of organically create it on their own um uh, can you talk a little bit about if there is anything even to talk about about the way people reacted to to the john wayne gacy clown character i mean he was bad enough to begin with and then i think it just adds to his sinisterness that he was this clown in his spare time yeah i think i I find it interesting because definitely the the media really latched on to the, the aspect of the fact that he worked as a clown. I mean, I shouldn't say worked because he, he never professionally performed as a clown. It was something that he did for, um, you know, parties for people he knew and things like that. Um, so I think it, it was interesting. I mean, the first biography to come out about him was called Killer Clown, um, and that was, that was, of course, a bestseller um, because that, that case was very um very widely reported oh, very yeah. you know um very shocking to people because of the, the sheer number of the victims and and a lot of the the gorier elements of the story um that really probably helped identify um you know the idea of a killer clown um but it, it it's interesting that the way that part was focused on i mean he was you know, he was a contractor by trade, um, but you know that that part isn't really, um, you know, that that that's not part of the more, you know, media friendly part of the story. Well, yeah, I mean, if they really wanted to focus on uh, something that was amazing, it would be the fact that that John Wayne Gacy was uh, somewhat like Ted Bundy. He was. Uh, brushing elbows with a lot of the power brokers and and people in I mean he had his picture taken with uh, Rosalind Carter for crying out loud uh, to me the most amazing thing about him is that he was able to act so legit for so long not that he was a clown in his spare time 
Yeah, I mean, he was the, he was like a popular guy who you know it was a kind of this pillar of the community type and and uh yeah like you said i mean he was he was very prominent uh local organizer for the democratic party and you know things like that didn't didn't really get the the play that um although i think yeah it was a little bit of um i, I think there was some um fun poked at, at the democratic party by the republicans at the time because that that was not so didn't look so good for them to be um seen in all these these photos with this mass murder but um the, that didn't get as much play as the fact that he was a clown and that's something that i've seen repeatedly um you know i keep google or set at this point for <laughs> Anything that involves clowns, police, uh, some combination thereof, um, and and there are a lot of robberies um, by you know people in clown masks uh, increasingly. So I mean, when I started doing it, I would get the occasional update, and now there's something almost once a week somewhere in the country. There's somebody somewhere that gets robbed by somebody in a clown mask, and there's also um, a significant number of cases uh, where. Um, you know, clowns are arrested for, um, you know, child pornography or um, some other kind of uh, usually sexual crimes. Um, and, you know, I've noticed that, it, you know, e even if they're a, a sort of miscellaneous costume performer or only a part time clown or something like that, or there's somebody there have been cases where it was somebody that, you know, they do Elvis bits and they do clowns and they do, you know, Bugs Bunny and they work for a company that, you know, kind of um, provides costumes. The, the clown part always makes it into the headline. Um, and that's been going on for, you know, 30 years now um, where, you know, I think something about the, the clown part, you know, clown busted for kitty porn is a headline in a way that, you know, part-time accountant or, you know, account, yeah. part-time clown, um, doesn't have the same, uh, street, play. street performer or, you know, whatever yeah. else they, they might say. Um, the, uh, movie capturing the Freedmans, the documentary, it's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. And I guess it started off with, they were just following a guy that was a very, very prominent clown. He was like a rock star clown. And then it turns into, you know, obviously a much, much deeper story than that. You have a thing on your uh, website in your paper that says, and this is this is a this is a movie title waiting to happen. Can't sleep. The clowns will eat me. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty popular um, for a while, uh, especially in the 90s. The can't sleep. Clowns will eat me. slogan. I think that originated in a, a Simpsons episode. Um, if, if my memory serves, but, uh, it, someone started making a line of t-shirts, um, that I think hot topic sold for a while and it was, a, it was pretty popular online. Um, and, um, I mean, I think at the point when, when clown fear hit the Simpsons, you know, that's when you've arrived and you know, <laughs> if you're in a Simpsons episode, it's a real thing that, you know, is, is out there. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah. Capturing the Freedmans was a really interesting documentary, and and it was part of that whole. Uh, there's a, there's actually a few cases of um, sort of um, sex crime scandals. Um, some of the uh, the so-called daycare um, hysteria cases of the 1980s, when there was a lot of accusations that um, 
some of which, you know, weren't ever proven or have been later recanted, um, where, you know, clowns, um, clowns or people dressed as clowns, um, seem to play a pretty active role in a lot of that, that similar, um, sort of sidebar during the eighties of that going on. Um, so I find that, that really interesting that, that, that kept popping up. Um, you know, usually a lot of, a lot of times around the same age group as, as the kids who were reporting these, these phantom clowns in vans trying to abduct them. Um, they were also saying that, you know, um, you know, people had, had, uh, uh, molested children dressed as clowns, um, during a lot of the same time period. And I think that that, that certainly helped establish this, this second look at, you know, how well do we know these, these, uh, you know, seemingly innocent, you know, characters in, you know, that have a lot of access to children. And, and certainly I think there's probably, um, some, some kernel of truth there because it's sort of, it would be a natural occupation, um, for pedophiles, um, you know, among, among others, you know, you see a, a lot of them going into teaching or coaching or, you know, any, any occupation where they're going to have, um, increased access to, to young people and children. Um, but you know, clowns, I think that, that, that's one of the reasons why there have been so many cases of, um, actual and or uh, alleged um you know uh child molestation by by people who worked as clowns now do you where do you see this going you're you're you know kind of one of the leading people on this what does the study of the fear of clowns need if you if you could say we need to do this what would your number one thing on your wish list be to further study this particular phobia well i'd like to see i'd like to see more um controlled survey research um at all ages there there's one pretty decent um study that was done by the university of sheffield a few years ago and they they looked at about 250 people between the ages of 14 and 16 um, as far as, um, what their reaction to clowns were, I'd like to see more of that. Um, I'd like to see, um, more similar research done at other age groups later, um, you know, ranging into even the elderly and, and how far back, um, you know, some, some people have been afraid of clowns. Cause that's always something that's sort of interesting to me when somebody who's in their 70s or 80s says that they've been afraid of clowns since they were a small kid because that would predate all this stuff you know uh Stephen right. King John Wayne Gacy the whole the whole lot of it um so that that would be interesting um and sort of you know um for myself I kind of keep just uh keep a close ear to the ground for current news reports because I think um you know these, these things do seem to happen in waves where um, all of a sudden, I, I mean, the, the real coming of age uh, for the killer clown, I think, happened pretty recently with the, uh, the, the so-called Northampton clown in England um, emerging. And um, I think uh, the, the guy who, who did that, that prank um, really hit a nerve. Um, and it was something that really, it was hugely viral in news reports all over the country, 
you know, within days. Um, and it was, in, it was really interesting to see. And actually, um, I, I recommend, um, he, he later wrote a book, the Northampton clown as the Northampton clown. He wrote a, um, 21 insights into the psychotic life of the Northampton clown. Um, and it's a, it's a really short, um, book, but it's, uh, it's it's sort of really interesting. Um, it, it's all very tongue in cheek and kind of parody oriented. But what did this guy actually do? Um, basically, he just started wearing a scary clown mask and clown suit and just walking around on the street <laughs> doing nothing. Basically, um, he just started kind of showing up and um, posting pictures of himself on social media and. Uh, everyone else that saw him posted pictures up on social media and it just, um, it took off, you know, and within the first couple of days, he had a couple hundred thousand fans on his Facebook page. And there was, uh, you know, I was corresponding with reporters who were over in the UK who were flocking to kind of get on top of this, um, this, you know, what was becoming this worldwide viral sensation in their County. And, um, you know, it was, it really was kind of like um, this big Christmas for me because all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, just, just um, you know, I spent days just archiving the comments from different news articles as it hit different, uh, you know, publications. Um, and it was just sort of like, okay, everybody in the world, tell me what scares you about clowns all at once. <laughs> um, so, and it was really a smorgasbord and I'm still still reviewing. I mean, I was just clicking as fast as I could archival web pages and, and the comments were, um, very interesting and uh, instructive and just thousands and thousands of reader comments. I haven't even sort of sifted through them all yet. A, you know, a year and a half later. Well, but. you don't just write about this. I mean, you cover all sorts of topics and you're all over the place too. I mean, you're on YouTube doing various things and stuff. For those people who want to learn more about, you know, your other writing and, and all the stuff that you do, because this is just one small part of it, how do they keep track of, of uh, Joe Derwin? Um, well, you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Joe Derwin, um, D-U-R-W-I-N. Um, uh, you can check out um, my, my main blog is uh, folklore of the... Um, the Berkshires of Massachusetts region and surrounding areas of New York and Vermont, um, which is called uh, mysterioushills.blogspot.com. Um, um, you can find me there. Um, you can also uh, have a, a dedicated um, blog page for uh, clown-related phenomenons. So if you go to Facebook, um, you can find me. Uh, you can like the page Dark Clowns. Um, and I, uh, I have a blog, um, to go with that, um, that is updated as needed, um, depending on how busy, uh, a week or a month it is for, um, for nefarious clown activity. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, am uh, I'm working on a couple of different, um, books, one on, one on clowns and one on, um, regional, uh, folklore from, haunted houses to UFOs to unsolved, uh, murders. Um, so yeah, th those are probably the best, uh, best ways to keep up with different things that I'm doing. And, uh, naturally if you see a clown doing anything out of the ordinary, immediately tweet 
Joe Derwin. Mr. Derwin, yeah. thank you so much for your time and for sharing your expertise on this. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And then uh, keep, keep me posted on other guests on the show that are afraid of clowns. I'd, I'd love to hear from them. Hi, I'm Tom Gully, host of The Tom Gully Show. And I'm here to talk to you about the Tom Gully Show t-shirts. They're stylish, comfortable, and affordably priced. It's really a great way to show your support of the show. So we'd like y'all to buy one for yourself and even better, yourself and a friend because they're, hey boss, you wanna sell more t-shirts? I'm your guy. Oh, hi, Vinny. Uh, folks, Vinny here helps out around the show from time to time. Vinny, you have a way we can sell more t-shirts? I'm all ears. Okay, what we do is, we go out and we get a nun, you know, a nun. Then, if we don't sell enough shirts within about five minutes, we take a meat cleaver and we start chopping off her toes one at a time. Bam! Off flies another toe. No, 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 no. Good Christ. No, no. We're not doing something like that. What makes you think something like that could even work? Well, you know... Works when you use a, a crippled kid instead of a nun. Folks, we'd appreciate it if you'd go to the TomGullyShow.com and buy a t-shirt or 20. like to thank Joe Derwin for taking time away from scary clowns to tell us about scary clowns. Check Joe Derwin out on Twitter at Joe Derwin. That's J-O-E-D-U-R-W-I-N. Or visit the Dark Clowns page on Facebook. Or just go to mysterious-hills.blogspot.com. And you can get to the bottom of all things Joe Derwin. I guarantee you there will be something there that will interest you. Folks, we'd really appreciate it if you'd share this on your various Facebook pages. Trying to spread the word means trying to spread our little show here. Um, did I mention I'm starting to get a lot of mail about this part of the show and that I still have no idea why? Um, several people are like, you should just do the whole show like that. And so I think the next show... Um, is going to be the super cranky basement tape show because I actually, when I started the show and occasionally from time to time now, I will, I will go on a rant when I'm on a live location or at an airport or even, you know, just when I'm on the air with somebody and I will take it out of the show because it, it kind of makes me sound not all there sometimes, you know, out of context and uh, what we've come to find out through the emails that we get is that people really like it when, when I'm not happy. So stay tuned for that. We'd appreciate it if you'd like the Tom Gully show. Not me, because that's uh, who would do that. 
but the show, like the show on Facebook, too, if the mood strikes you. And, of course, there's always the TomGullyShow.com. If you got a mobile phone, yeah, I got a mobile version, especially for those of you on iTunes. There's an app. But you got to go to the TomGullyShow.com web version to get it. And I highly recommend that even if you're on a mobile phone, go to the bottom of my mobile version and just click the, the web version part because there's everything's on the web version. I mean, everything. There's, there's the Tom Gully Show store filled with top-quality name-brand items that just happen to have my logo on them, like thongs and shower curtains and cocktail shakers and keychains and, you know, uh, something else that I sell, I'm sure, that's obscure that I could tell you about. But there's a lot of stuff on there. Shirts, sweatshirts, T-shirts, uh, you know, hoodies, whatever. Yeah, there's something there for you. Coffee mug, you know. Uh, and we always encourage you to subscribe, uh, subscribe. We always encourage you to learn to speak. We always encourage you to subscribe on iTunes for free because if it's free, Daddy-O, it's for me. Follow us on Twitter at Atomic Palooka 2 so I can increase my clout and cred ratings. Because if I get enough points, we're all going to go to the aces. That'll do it for tonight. I'm out of here. I got to go talk to some people. I'll talk to you much later. Each night, Jay Johnson, speaking of hoodies, I have a psychedelic Jay Johnson tie-dye hoodie that apparently just hit the, the mails today. So maybe I'll wear that in an event for you people. Uh, JayJohnsonMusic.com is the place to go to get all of his great music as he brings us in each and every night with the Truth Wagon. I can't tell you how proud I am to have that song as our opening song because not only is it a Jay Johnson song, so it's awesome, but the words, you know, the words actually... And we take you out each night with the Hitman Blues Band out of New York City. My favorite blues band. Go to hitmanbluesband.net or hitmanbluesband.com. And if you go to the .net address, I can't stress this enough. All you got to do is get on their mailing list. They do not hammer you. They maybe give you one a month. And you get nine free blues songs from these guys. If you're a fan of the blues, and especially if you're the fan of the very best blues you're ever going to hear, uh, check this out. It is some tasty stuff. And until next time, we'll see you next time. Well, the bug can't lift a twig for a dog that's nothing big, but he don't want to. And the dog can't grab a cat, a raccoon can do all that, but he don't want to. And I dream of you at night While you hold your baby tight But he don't want you You can see it in his eyes From the way he tells you lies But he don't want you